everybody, welcome to Eberron Renewed. It is an actual to play D&D podcast, but not today. Uh, as we did last time, uh, we are going to uh, take a minute or approximately an hour and go back through the session that we just played, the last three episodes that you guys heard, um, where I, oh, I'm, I'm Jeff, <laughs> and I'm going to pick the brain of our dungeon master, who is introducing himself soon. I'm Eric. There we go. Um, we appreciate your feedback about the last time we did this episode. We genuinely were not going to do another, one, do another one unless people said that they didn't hate it because we were kind of concerned they might. Uh, anyway, so we're just going to jump in. Oh, and then after we talk a little bit about the session, uh, Philip and I are going to talk about Barrick and his character and some things like that. So, so let's just jump right in. So episode five, the beginning of the following the trail. Is that what you need? Finding the trail. Finding the trail. Got to find it. Before we can follow it, that's uh, that's good advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the beginning of the finding the trail arc, mm-hmm. and uh, so you just wanted us to have a train fight eventually, huh? Yeah. <laughs> play D anD D in a setting with trains. Why wouldn't you have an epic train fight? Like right. that just makes sense. So we got that prophecy from Graham, and I'm sure that people who listen to this podcast figured out more quickly than we did sitting around the table that. There was clearly a portion, like I've listened to it multiple times now, there was clearly a portion of that rhyme for each of us. <laughs> and the only one that I picked up on was the dawn and, the, find, find the boy and dawn and shadow, mm-hmm. all I picked up on at the time. And you really had to spoon feed a little bit for us to, now Philip may have figured it out immediately and just wasn't ready to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, that each, they're each couplet. Right, there's one for each of us. That's, Loosely, yeah. That's that I assume is dictating future arcs. I mean, the the big one that was the the veil was the thinnest on was obviously Draconos's because that led you all to the next breadcrumb, essentially. <laughs> like eventually, yeah. that took some work too. <laughs> so we meet. I guess it was inevitable that we would meet some of Barrick's family. Because he is nobility and pretty widely spread throughout nobility yeah. in this area of... Oh, apparently they've made an official announcement on how to pronounce certain words in Eberron. Yeah, on Manifest Zone. Right. Um, another another podcast. I, I would say the definitive Eberron facts podcast. Yeah, Eberron lore. All right, on the subject of pronunciation, Keith Baker has said uh, on numerous occasions that pronunciation is not going to be standard, just as in the real world. Probably most of us don't say Mexico when referring to the country south of our border. We say Mexico, even though people from there pronounce it that way. So if I say Kyer and you say Siri, well, that's just a right. difference of regional. It's, it's like how we say aluminum, but in England they say uh, lorry. Right, right. <laughs> they, they, call, they call it university. <laughs> that's a very specific joke for a very specific listener, and I hope he doesn't hate me. <laughs> okay, so let's jump back in. To the story. Um, so we get the prophecy and we meet Barrick's... What is he? He's like your second cousin. He's my third cousin or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Okay, so he's not like somebody you saw at Thanksgiving. No. Probably. Or whatever the Eberronian <laughs> equivalent. More closely, my brother is his personal assistant. So Okay, but he wasn't there. But he wasn't yeah. present. So, and, it, and Rukin is his name. And he jumps in to our lives to hire us for... 
really for no good reason because we did just lose a child. But he's like, these three seem competent. I'm going to hire them for protection. So, okay, so lightning train. That's, I mean, lightning rail. Lightning rail, pardon me. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a train. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so this is a very much an Eberron trope, right? Mm-hmm. This yes. harnessing an elemental. Go ahead, like, I mean, it's, it's something that Keith Baker made specifically for Eberron. I mean, his whole... I've heard the term arcana punk used or magic punk where it's taking magic and using it for mundane purposes. I I guess the closest pop culture touchstone would be the Harry Potter movies where you see them using magic to wash the dishes or light a fire. The Weasley house, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so he kind of thought, I mean, you have these elementals that are just raw energy. It makes sense that people would capture them and use them as a motor. And so that allowed for the advent of trains planes and automobiles so so, i mean it's basically the same situation as once we figured out how to harness electricity we no longer walked around in the dark yeah just same idea yeah just just like magic when wizards figured out the light spell they were like hey we can just cast this on stuff and light your house so for some reason that one doesn't only last six rounds that one lasts for (laughs) as long as um I skipped. Let's jump back uh, to the little short individual stories that each character had at the beginning of the episode. Barrett going to uh, Graham's to get more books and finding out. So Graham's got a backstory mm-hmm. that, that is probably going to matter eventually. Why don't you tell I mean, me all about that? <laughs> well, she was a ri- no. I thought she was. It's, it's she was just, obviously a courtesan, but apparently I'm wrong. You are incorrect. Like sir. based on what I you will said, give you that she was very much uh, a, a, <laughs> something that uh, a. Re- Something oppressive to women, <laughs> which is something we wouldn't do on this podcast. So No, I, I just basically included that because, once again, I was reading through my Eberron books and kind of found some unfinished threads that Keith Baker left in there. And one of them involved stuff going on a considerable amount of time ago. And mm-hmm. I was like, Graham could fit well into this storyline. So it's included to be something that might come up may or may not kind of thing might not it just depends on your all's agency to give a crap so it's just part of the rich tapestry (laughs) yes that you're built man i tell you what for some reason i get in front of this microphone and i do not talk like lyle dex in real life (laughs) but there's there's like a sense memory in this room where all of a sudden i'm just talking to y'all about things and stuff well, that's like my friends tell me that I, I switch into my NPR voice when we do podcasts. Of oh, yeah, you just, absolutely do. That's, Hello, my name is Eric. It's, per, it's performative voice. It's a thing that happens. It's just unfortunate that mine is here now. <laughs> uh, I guess it's a good thing I chose an accent somewhat close to mine. I'm not like saying, like, <laughs> welcome to the Geek Pantheon. <laughs> Today we will be talking about comic books. Well, that, that was that, terrible. I've cut that. No one wants to hear that. that that's something that, that listeners can pick up on is you can immediately tell how um, how long an NPC is going to stick around by how difficult their accent is for me to do. Because <laughs> if I know they're going to be around for a while, they're going to be pretty close to American with a little maybe British flavor. But um, if, if I go way off the reservation, like with Barasha and do a gruff Australian accent, he'll be around for a bit, but right. not going to be a go-to. And I thought that was a really good impression of a Star Wars clone. Thank you. <laughs> that, that, and, that's what I was going I was for. I say, that was pretty obviously Rex, right? <laughs> yeah. And then Farland's is kind of easy, and he's nice to have around, so that could be good. Well, I mean, he's not pleasant, but he's helpful. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, so Beric has his thing with Graham. Um, I let my, I once again let my 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 being a actual father sneak into my role playing by saying, "Well, I'm gonna go talk to Trant, yeah, and make sure that he understands that we're not abandoning the quest for his kid." Because I mean, but to be fair, there are also Dex reasons for that. I mean, yeah, family 
having lost his family. Now, I, I, you know, I made a joke about it in that episode. Everybody loses their family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having seen his it, it, on his brothers, I know we haven't talked. I don't think we talked about this last time, and it definitely hasn't come up in the show. But Dex watched his brothers disappear. So as a child, losing a child, it's a thing. So so that made sense. And <laughs> God, what Draconos saying? Are there are there kids around? Like what, dude? <laughs> Oh, there's no kids around? I guess I'll just sit outside the bar for a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because he has such a good harness on that weird character. Like, well, and that, that gave me a perfect end to kind of introduce Farlin joining, like, because right. it makes sense that Farlin would be walking out of the bar. And so, yeah, it was kind of perfect. I I kind of want to ask a question real quick, just while we're on the, the things going on. I'm and, sorry, that's not the format of the show. Well, I'm, I apologize, <laughs> but um, I am the dungeon master. Uh, I just I'm curious, other than the courtesan joke, like, do you all have any thoughts on Graham's backstory and like just the clues that have been laid out? I just want to get a. Well, I think she's evidently a cleric of the silver flame. OK, that's my guess. Yeah. I mean, that was if not nobility uh, by blood, nobility by association or, or, or in the work in the circles of nobility. Yeah. And yeah, I assumed also. OK. Uh, cleric now even makes even more sense. I'm just not as well versed in the lore as you guys are, but the cleric of the silver flame sounds great to me. Obviously receiving a prophecy means that she's got some sort of, if not divine, uh, divine, um, connection, connection, at least a open to that world. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. I was just wondering. Yeah. So are we right? (laughs) Tune in next time. It never works. So yeah. And then we do meet Farlin. Did you choose Farlin after, the bar scene where he side eyed us and particularly me and, and thought that would be some good color or were you already like, I'll introduce this character and he'll be the next NPC. No, um, Farlin actually, I, I, I really want to do an episode of the knowledge check over this concept, um, at some point, but he was pulled out of what I call my DM spell book where I just, anytime I have an idea for an NPC or an encounter or something, I'll put it in my Microsoft OneNote. And then just leave it there for when I need it. This episode and, brought to you by Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they've got so much money to throw around, they just don't care anymore. Yeah. Um, D&D can only be played on the Surface Book Pro. Um, him, his gruff attitude, him being a brewer and a druid, and there, there's a couple other elements to him, were already there. And so when I was constructing the bar fight scene, I was like, hey, a gruff dwarf who's a brewer? Up, and just dropped him in. And so a lot of his backstory in the context of Eberron had already been established just from an idea I had. Right. And it fit in well with the continuity moving forward. So I knew I had enough on him for him to be a reoccurring. Um, And once I knew Aiko was going to die at the end of the first mini arc, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously needing a fourth person who could heal. So would he keep us alive? Yeah. Druids can heal. So you had already met Farlin. And so... It kind of made sense just to plug him in there, but I I didn't elevate him after the bar scene. He just was kind of there to be used. <coughs> gotcha. So, sure. Okay. Let's jump to the train. We've kind of already talked about a little bit enough about the Rukin interaction. There wasn't a lot there. I mean, we figured out that 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 uh, Barrick is. I mean, we already had a pretty good feeling. Barrick was not the, if not the black sheep, definitely. <laughs> more more the, the ashen skin sheep yeah. <laughs> more removed from the nobility trappings than the rest of his family yeah uh and that uh I, I i don't know why i made the decision but i'm glad i did that dex just doesn't give a crap about nobility and mm-hmm. also he's kind of turned into 
he's not turned into John Wayne, but he has the a John Wayne sensibility of not taking any crap. And I don't know why that happened so suddenly, but I really like playing it. <laughs> well, what I loved about the Rukin interaction was you all obviously eventually agreed to go once Draconis explained like, oh, the prophecy is leading us here. But just before that happened, the notion that you all were going to say no to the prime minister and he was going to accept that answer. Like um, when when you started saying, uh, we appreciate the offer, but we're not going to do like I had already thought in my head as soon as you were done talking, he was going to go, I, I'm sorry, you misunderstood. Yeah, no. That was not a request. Like, no, and, and, and that's fair. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that I totally biffed over the fact that you said prime minister. <laughs> like, I just, I, I, I don't know why that wasn't registering with yeah. me. Um, but, but yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> that would not have played out to our favor. <laughs> well, I, I think I did say, I said, we don't agree. We acquiesce mm-hmm. at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, because I did realize eventually there's nothing we can do about this. But, um, yeah, and man, it was kind of pulling teeth to get around to. Obviously, Barrick's going to need to be convinced. Dex is going to need to be convinced to to leave, regardless to be comfortable with leaving. Yeah, and so when when we finally got it out of Draconos, that this was, it was like, oh, okay, well, let's go. <laughs> yeah, get up. So yeah, so then we meet uh, and remind me who created Barasha, please. Barasha, um, Barasha. Josh Boyd. Josh Boyd creates a super rad mm-hmm. character that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and if you want the chance to make your own NPC, go leave a rating and review on iTunes and send me a screenshot of it, and you'll get a chance to do that. So, And he's at a high bar, because there's a lot of cool stuff with this uh, Dragonborn Paladin. Mm-hmm. Um, but So we meet him, and you almost immediately take away my ability to change shape, the thing that makes my character I didn't cool. take away your ability. Like you, Okay, a dragon was like, I hate people who... Don't don't show their true selves. And I'll be like, well, check this out. And then He's die. A lawful good paladin. And then, I'll, and then I'm going to die by the hands of a dragon. So dragon born, not a dragon. A half dragon. Have half 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 dragon. That was gross sounding in my ears. <laughs> half dragon will burn. Nice. Fair enough. <laughs> will plunder. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so we meet we meet Rash and we meet um, Orgev, whose name I almost never get right. And we don't really have any conversation with Orgev yet. No. Um, but Rukin was chatting his ear off the whole time. So, Right. Um, and we get to Nukire, Uh And I thought you had a really interesting question, uh, Philip, when you said, can we see the, the Mornlands from mm-hmm. here? And he told us yes. And I really wanted to know if that messed with you. Yeah. Um, or messed with Beric. I'm sure right. you were fine. <laughs> yeah, I think I even actually asked. I think it made it into the episode where I just straight up said, you know, does that mess Beric up? Yeah. Um I don't know because Beric is Beric is dealing with some magic that he doesn't quite understand. And of course the Mornland is this gigantic geographic feature of magic that nobody understands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think one of the things that Beric worries about privately, which hasn't really come out uh, Beric's various private insecurities about the magic that he's wielding. I think one of the things that Beric worries about is whether or not they're connected. Uh, because okay. he, uh, as a member of the of the aristocracy, probably has uh, a pretty solid idea of what happened in the Mornland, as far as like what it did to people right. when it happened, not what caused it, obviously, mm-hmm. and has maybe seen survivors and things like that, and so he has a a strong idea of how bad it is and how awful it is, and I think one of the things he worries about is whether or not this magic that he came into possession of reasonably chronologically close to the time of the morning 
is in some way or another similar. Right. I mean, I didn't realize, honestly, until Eric said something to me the other day that we are within, what, five years we are of the morning? Four years from the morning, two years out from the war. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, like. Assuming that we're in 998, I don't know. Right. Eric might have. For example, like, Dex was in Thrain during the morning. It wasn't like mm-hmm. he was still away or or not born yet. Right. Like, it's not World War One. It's Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the really cool things. This is actually the, the topic of the most recent episode of the Manifest Zone the, that we were referring to earlier, mm-hmm. is the last war. And I think that is one of the really interesting things is most uh, most fantasy settings, uh, as they were pointing out in that, have this some kind of big cataclysm in, mm-hmm. in the past. But it's always like in the really distant ancient past. Right. Whereas this just happened. Yeah, this is, I mean... I, of course, I I didn't know any of this going in, but as I, as I learned more, like Eberron is a very, I was going to say very unique. Unique doesn't need right, modifier. Right, it's binary, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Eberron is a unique setting uh, in the sense that, yeah, a lot of the tropes of fantasy aren't, they're not necessarily done away with, but they're subverted in mm-hmm. different ways. Yeah. Like, like modern conveniences being available, but in different forms. Or, yeah, the the, the great defining event not being five generations ago being four years ago. Yeah. It's really neat. Well, I think it's also interesting probably for our characters. And I know that we haven't really dealt with this in the game yet. I think for our characters, one of the things that would be very real about that is there's only been two years since a treaty was signed. Mm -hmm. And so this was a war that lasted a hundred years. So realistically do our characters even look at the war and say it's over or this is a lull and it's going right. to start up any minute. Tem- temporary armistice. And, yeah. and how do we, how do we reconcile? I mean, and, and again, I don't know who the warring parties were really. Like, I don't know who was against whom, mm-hmm. but just the idea that you guys know, the two of you now know that Dex is not from Breland. Right. And, or, 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 uh, Kyre or anywhere, uh, that you know of like how much, can you not, can you two trust him? I think, and I don't want to speak for either of your characters. I think that the, the three, I trust the two of you implicitly at yeah. this point, both through the last session and also just having worked for a while together. Yeah. Um, but how much can, if someone else were to find out that I was not a Corvair resident during or before or whatever, mm-hmm. how much one might trust that? So yeah. it's an interesting dynamic that I'm sure will. Eric being a good storyteller will get explored. <laughs> right. Um, but okay. So Eric is back. Eric had to step away for a second and Philip and I uh, uh, chatted um, and we're going to do more of that in a minute, but um, about Eric specifically. So uh, yeah, episode two uh, coming up now, train fight, uh, train fight where, where man, oh man, did some bad things almost happen oh, to all of us <laughs> multiple times. Like, okay. Real talk. If 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 Dex had fallen off a train, mm-hmm. how, okay, how high of a how high of a of a what was my clear I needed on that dexterity saving throw to not just fall smooth off the train? Were you being nice and letting Dex live, or did I actually? I think I got like a twenty. So yeah, I think it was, it was I think it was a fifteen high. is what you what you needed. So I mean it was it was a medium difficulty I, check. It wasn't a gimme, and I had a plus four. So yeah, I would I had to roll. I mean, less than half the die mm-hmm. was was available for me to to pass that. So. Would you? Would I have been dead? Would you have killed me? No, and I, I, it got edited out of the episode, but I mentioned this to you um, while we were playing that what I probably would have done is because part of the thing that I love about 
playing with theater of the mind and not having maps and minis mm-hmm. is it allows the surroundings to be a bit more nebulous. And so I, I would have fallen into a lake instead of the, no, no, you would have fallen into an earth sled with five angry warforged standing around. You. Ooh, rough. Um, yeah. so that was on fire, even though I would have in, into the fire, even <laughs> though you just, you say, I fall into the sled. You just hear Philip roll for damage. <laughs> Um, even though in my mind, the earth sled was on the opposite side See, that you were falling. That's where I was too. Um, it, it's easy to switch that stuff around and, and some dungeon masters might think that that's going easy on you, but I, it's not it, their game, man. Well, and if you're going to die, I want it to be heroic. I don't want it to be, I oh, appreciate that. He, he took a bad step and fell off a train. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dummy. So that's just, I, I would rather have deaths be heroic. And so sure. I would have, I would have introduced an element to make your life suck because you failed that check right but not kill you outright sure man just the idea of us running on top of a train like in my head you and me yeah poor draconos couldn't make it up there um <laughs> but you and i running down that train are you like gliding down it apparently <laughs> uh man we looked really cool yeah like if yeah. we if we had if we had enough people who listened to this that we got fan art that would be the coolest. <laughs> uh, yeah. we, and we you know what that's not fair. We did uh, a very we did get, fan we art, did get yeah. a very cool uh, sketch of each of our characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I, I take that back. We did we did get that, which is by the way bonkers. The fact that anybody listens to this at all is bonkers to me. But that somebody <laughs> took the time to sit down and picture and draw our characters yeah. is both. Uh, very, very uh, flattering and and humbling, and also just completely wackadoodle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no one drew you. I don't know why you're saying. Yeah, nobody drew the dungeon master. I think it's cool. Okay. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean that's really weird to me, and and cool, and like in a really cool way. But it's really weird to me because you have this thing that I imagined and expressed mm-hmm. through the character, and then somebody else imagined it and expressed it through a different art medium. And it's just very, yeah. And you know, something that I think, I think that uh, an idea that I have adopted personally for this, uh, is from another podcast, the adventure zone, uh, which is a great, um, we'll call it a role-playing game podcast. Yeah. It started as D and D and it has gone very much away from that into a wonderful, uh, mm-hmm. uh product. Um, but w- the, the guys on there all say basically all interpretations are correct. Yeah, which is such a cool way to think about it. Yeah, uh, you know, we have our interpretations, but whatever anybody pictures or sees or thinks about, if it's not explicitly stated, yeah, like, uh, you know, uh, Draconos is a tiefling. Draconos has horns. Sure. He, he said bright red skin. Outside of that, literally anything goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think it's really cool. Uh, and I, I I love that about this, both this medium as uh as a player and this medium as an enjoyer of other watching other people play it like and, and any interpretation of Barrick that doesn't explicitly look like a vampire would be incorrect <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it's super cool and really dex is just calvin ball you can make him look like whatever you <laughs> yeah. want because literally all interpretations are correct yeah you, you like, would have to wear a name badge in a picture for you to know that yeah. it was dex like you draw it or, or think it Whatever you're thinking when I'm when I'm being Lyle or Dex, you're right because I can do that mm-hmm. because I can shape I can't shape shift that'd be neat but Dex can <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jeff. Um, anyway, so yeah, second fight, train fight, neat things happen. Uh, we find out that Farlin is well, I guess uh, he doesn't do anything specifically druid in the second episode or the he, the he first one that, he, he thorn has that vine. He has that thorn vine oh, grab is that, is, somebody. Is that, is that explicit? That's a druid uh, druid spell. Okay, well then, so you knew. Right. I didn't see yeah. that one, so I didn't know. Um, 
I mean, I wish I could elaborate more. Like, it was a train fight. And yeah. A, and a couple of things happened, but mainly it was a train fight. I mean, you, you encountered a lot of Warforged for the first time in the campaign, which is mm-hmm. a very Eberron-esque yes. thing. They are unique to the setting, which mm-hmm. I, I like Warforged a lot, which is why I threw 36 of them at you. Yeah, that was... When you said that, <laughs> I was I was terrified. Concerned. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, man. there's We're not making it out of it. Like, honestly, I thought half of these guys are going to have to fail their checks and fall under the, the mm-hmm. wheels of the train in order for us to survive yeah. this. And I think, like, maybe two yeah. did. But but you had Barasha going off on his own and mm-hmm. defeating six and yeah so there was there was a lot and Barrick's stupid trap for the driver that just kept rotating that was so <laughs> funny like I li- listening back to it again I laughed out loud a couple of times and it was like all right and another one grabs the grabs the controls and you just heard Philip roll he's like nine fire damage well the first time that happened you can hear me pause like. Oh crap! <laughs> and then my immediate question is, how do they stop this? Like, <laughs> I mean, I would assume water would probably do yeah. it, but well, it's like magical silvery fire. Like, I'd... yeah, but it is still fire, so I would assume that you could you could douse it, dispel it in some way. Man, but... don't say that because he's just going to have water around next <laughs> Every, time. Everybody carries buckets of water from here on out. <laughs> um, just full bladders. They're just like, <laughs> yeah. if you're going to go into battle with a hex blade, make sure. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so it was a train fight, and it ends with us finding out that the prince... Uh, shocker, when Barasha disappeared, the prince got abducted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I get it. You didn't want to play two fighting NPCs yeah. in, in a battle, and we needed a healer more than we needed a <clears throat> brawler. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm on board with the way you played it, to be sure. Um, so, jumping ahead to the third episode, the train fight concludes. We see... Um, we see Beric, uh, with some tough love, casting a spell that is supposed <laughs> to really injure somebody in order to help get the prince back onto the train. But it worked. Yeah. Fortunately, rolled, rolled very low on your damage roll. Yeah, yeah. I was a little worried about it. I mean, it's only a D8, so, and there's no modifier on it. So I figured that probably the prince has more than eight hit points. Yeah, he's, a, yeah. Grown, he's a grown-up adult. Right. Uh, I don't have more than eight hit points. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, so uh, we do that. We see uh, Farlin change into a bear, yep. which gives Dex some pause about being as mean as he is. <laughs> uh, and then I love the character of Prince Orgev. Yeah. I love his magnanimity and his, his how gregarious and, and, and um, what's a word? What is the word? I can't think of it because uh, I'm not Sincere? A, a smart. No, yes, he is. But no, uh, the Princess Diana niche of him. He knows where he is, but he does not let it define his interaction with other people. You know what I'm saying? Humility? I guess humility is a good um, word. Um, you want to get fancy, you could say noblesse oblige. Yeah, you know what? That's <laughs> Yes, I do. I always want to be fancy. Oh, there you go. So that's what that's what it is. It's the noblesse oblige. <laughs> and uh, man, why do you guys talk to me? I'm an idiot. Uh but yeah, just just the idea that, uh, well, you know, because it paralleled nicely, and I, I think this was your intention, when I reached out, when I put my hand out for Rukin, and, and he, you know, like he expected me to spray some Purell on it before he'd yeah. shake it, and then, and granted, we did just save his life, yeah. but Orgev puts his hand out to me, and I would, I mean, Dex, because of what he's grown into over the last three episodes, is already kind of thinking... I wonder if this guy needs more people on his detail because I would rather work for him than Rukin. Well, and 
Oh, go ahead. Is there some source of that? Because I remember, because Oregov showed up in the campaign that you and I ran, and he was that way in that as well, uh, except I think I was personally you were running him in that occasion. I think the only difference was that I think I gave him an Irish accent. <laughs> Which uh, you all do not want to hear me do that. Right. Um, Eric sounds like, <laughs> Eric sounds like the Lucky Charms leprechaun when he does an Irish accent. Um, oh, they destroyed my country. Um, oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> mama. Um, no, I, I kind of have always viewed Orgev as, I, I think, an interesting arc for him is potentially being very Rukin-esque in his youth and during the war and when all this is happening. But then your entire country, family, way of life getting wiped out in an instant has a way of humbling you and making you realize that there's more to life than your station or money and things like that. And so I think, whereas something like the morning took a lot of people down a very dark road, it made Orgev kind of realize it was almost an enlightenment. Well, the, the most precious thing about his country was the people okay, that were lost and the people that survived. And so it, it made him much more magnanimous and generous mm-hmm. with, with people. So, yeah, I, I hope that, I mean, obviously he's going to be around for a little while because we're are traveling with him, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, I hope, I, I hope that character comes up regularly simply because I think the dynamic of three misfits need a person uh, in of some sort of power and station who is on their side, uh, you know, both in a practical and just an emotional yeah, I think I think that's a really neat dynamic uh, for these three guys because I mean, absolutely are misfits. Like, mm-hmm. um, just be Dex looks as normal as anybody else, but yeah. only because he can do that, right. and that makes him a misfit. <laughs> and he's clearly the most crotchety. I don't know how that happened. That's <laughs> me. I was like, everybody sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting, and I I really don't know what else. I mean, episode three. Do you guys have? I, I keep saying episode three because I think of them in terms of. Uh, of the arc yeah episode yeah. seven the last episode and by the way uh listeners uh, uh friends and loved ones um we are genuinely sorry i am genuinely sorry eric and i've talked about it that the last two episodes were very short we were working under some weird time constraints yeah uh it will not happen again if we can avoid it uh we're planning on uh, in fact as soon as we're done recording this we're going to do another session and we're planning there's no time limit we're going to yeah. play as long as it takes to get three or four good uh, episodes of the kind of length that we can tell a good story in. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, and and I think that of all of the stories to be told with shortened episodes, I mean, these were very combat heavy episodes, and mm-hmm. so I feel like if they were an hour long, they potentially would have drug on a that, little bit. That does get boring. I yeah. Mean, I've I've listened to hour long combat podcasts, and it's like, all right, yeah, and mm-hmm. especially especially well, not to be. Luckily, we have some characters with interesting combat skills. If yeah. we were all yeah. barbarians and fighters and paladins, there would mm-hmm. be. I hit him. I hit him. Yeah, I hit him too. He hit you back. Ah, nuts. <laughs> well, and something that well, and I'll I'll go ahead and give a preview to next week's episode, uh, the session we're about to record. I I very intentionally have designed a style of D and D adventure that I've never run before because it is. Very light on combat, very narrative heavy, very, yeah. the the players are going to have to use their minds as much as the dice to figure things out. And so I, I think that will make good radio. Hopefully it'll make for good D&D. Uh, <laughs> right. But um, yeah, so I, I try to be conscious of 
of that when designing encounters. But I, I wanted a big train fight and you all were going to be traveling a long distance. So it seemed a good place to kind of mm-hmm. insert that. So all right, uh, before we jump over and talk, just start talking about Barrick, um, I'm going to do just because we're kind of in the middle ish portion of the episode. I'm going to do a quick break to uh, plug social media and things like that. Um, so our our podcast, Eberron Renewed, is still housed under the Geek Pantheon uh, label uh, brand as it were, um, if things start to like really pop off on the Facebook page and people are talking about this podcast more than the, the family of podcasts, we'll, we'll start a separate one. Uh, but as of right now, you can find anything relating to this podcast or the other two uh, podcasts that Eric does. I'm on two of the three. Philip's on two of the three. Eric's on all three. So if you don't like Eric, I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, if you don't like me, I understand. Petition Jeff and Philip to start their own show. Oh gosh, <laughs> we are the Ouroboros of, of podcasts. Um, but no, uh, you can find us uh, on Facebook. Just search for The Geek Pantheon. Uh, we are on Instagram. We are on uh, Twitter. Uh, we're probably on Google+. Plus. Uh, we've got a LinkedIn, Friendster, <laughs> Zanga. Uh, but all, all of those... Go are, check out our MySpace playlist. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hot. <laughs> uh, but that, those are all at The Geek Pantheon. Um, we want to thank Kevin McLeod. For the music, and apparently I've been giving you, I apologize, uh, it's Eric's fault, he told yes. me what it is, uh, the wrong website. His actual website is freepd.com. Okay, so so uh, what I've been saying is free PD music, that is not right, it's just free PD, like public domain, uh, dot com. Um, and really quickly, and I'm going to start doing this every time we do one of these episodes, since we record three to four episodes at a time, I simply can't thank everybody who talks about us every week. So um, I'm just going to kind of lump uh, together the people that I see reaching out and saying great things about us online. It means so much to us. Um, and so uh, this uh, Tag Lions, which, by the way, Tag Lions, I kind of want to use that name in a campaign. Is, <laughs> he's he's super cool dude and also super cool name. Uh, but Tag Lions, uh, Nico Batson <clears throat> and Jessica Smith have been doing a lot of talking about uh, about us very kindly. Jessica Smith is a very common name, but I'm pretty sure she knows <laughs> who I who, who she is. Because uh, uh, she's probably the only one that listens to our show. So, but thank you guys so much for um, the nice things that you said about our podcast, telling people about it. I know, like for a fact, that we have our subscriber base has been growing. Yes, because of other people. Talk, like I've run out of friends to tell. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. And most of them have said no. I won't listen to it. I got literally all my friends to be on the podcast, so I can't tell anybody about it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, yeah, and I haven't told my family about the podcast, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like uh, I mean, our subscriber base really has grown, and it's because of you guys and word of mouth, and it means so much to us. Because um, as much fun as we have playing, we don't we wouldn't record it unless we wanted other people to listen, yeah, uh, to satisfy whatever psychological or 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 personality issue it is that we have that we're <laughs> exercising in the public domain. Um, all right, so let's jump on. Let's talk about Barrick. Now, I know most of what I know about the Warlock class. Uh, I know a very little bit from reading because I never considered playing one in the two two times I've created a character. They, they weren't on my radar. Uh, so actually, most of what I know is from listening to The Knowledge Check, another great <laughs> podcast from the Geek Pantheon. It's actually Eric and Philip, where they, as people with uh, years of DMing experience, kind of talk about the inside baseball of D&D 5th edition. Um, it's great if you are a dungeon master wanting to learn some more tips and tricks. Um, it's awesome if you're a player. In fact, some friends of mine who are playing for the first time 
um, were wondering how to build their characters, what they should do. And one of them happened to be a fighter. Your second episode was a fighter build. And I said, go listen uh, to the knowledge check and take, take, take what advice you want (laughs) from that. And uh, she actually enjoyed it enough uh, to listen to the rest of the episodes, which was pretty rad. Awesome. So it's a good resource, kind of inside baseball resource for D and D five E. But so, okay. So warlock, my understanding is, and you absolutely will be correcting me because I'm probably wrong. Um, <laughs> the Warlock's magic came with a bargain, with a price. Yeah. yeah and, you make a pact with something right. very powerful. Mm-hmm. And the nature of that pact can vary uh, depending on largely who your patron is. Some mm-hmm. of the patrons, it's going to, I mean, there's a, there's a fiend patron. So if you want to play Faust and do the really classic, you made a deal with the devil. Right. Thing, then that's that. But there's a wide variety of them now. Man, I just thought, uh, I just thought of a warlock bard in the story of Robert Johnson and the Crossroads. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it just popped into my head. Anyway, um, now, but Barrick specifically mm-hmm. did not make the pact. Right. He, uh, it was made on his. It was a. It was a Samuel and uh, not Eli. Samuel and Eli. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. Samuel's Samuel's mom gives him up to the church. Right. 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 Yeah. It's been a minute. <laughs> since I've d- dug deep into that Old Testament. Um, but no, yeah, so it was it was Beric's mother that yeah, set but, this up for him. Yeah, Beric, the nature of Beric's pact is not something that Beric knows. I've left it up to Eric, uh, mm-hmm. partly because I'm a little foggy on what the designers intend as far as the Hexblade, because the Hexblade, I really liked the way the mechanics worked, and I liked mm-hmm. the idea of being a, a melee competent spellcaster. And and boy, are you! But we'll right. get we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. But the 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 text of the UA of the Unearthed Arcana class says that you've made a pact with a powerful, intelligent weapon, but you don't have that intelligent weapon. So it's a little confusing to me. Like, do you go visit it, or how? It's just I, I don't understand exactly what they're intending with that. Yeah, uh, that is interesting. Yeah, so. I kind of left that open to Eric. I told him this is the mechanics I wanted to be. And it calls out a couple of other things like the Raven queen in the description, but doesn't exactly explain how she works into it. So the, the flavor text of it is a little bit vague. Mm -hmm. uh, And I figured that would just be a fun opportunity for Eric. Yeah. So like the weapon could be a, a relic that is not something you could ever wield, or it could be like Excalibur where one day, right. You're even more powerful. And then then what's the point of me even having a weapon if Beric is more powerful? So, yeah, Beric's story is essentially that uh, his mother has come, his mother uh, long ago came into contact with this source of magic, whatever that looks like, Mm -hmm. and used it as part of her role as a general of Breland in the last war. Um, to create this sort of special forces mage unit. And after her death, Beric has, has this journal. And in reading through this journal that is at least in part written by his mother, he has worked out how to access this same magic. But he doesn't really know what he's messing with. I don't. Need, I think, I don't know to what degree people who exist in this universe use terms like warlock and paladin and that kind of right, thing. Right. Right. But I mean, uh, yeah, Dex, Dex would never call himself a rogue. Right. Right. But if asked what class he was, I don't think Beric would answer warlock. I think he would say he's probably a 
wizard or a sorcerer or something or like that. Or just simply magician. Yeah, he's just he's he's a mage of some kind. I don't think Beric mm-hmm. is yet aware of what he's messing with. He understands that it's odd mm-hmm. and that it's not like the mad the other magic he's been taught or the other magic that he's witnessed. Right. But I don't think Beric fully grasps what he's drawing on yet. Right. And now the warlock is not inherently dark. No. Or no. inherently I, the pact is not inherently dark. You it can't right. be a benevolent being that you've made a pact with, right? Yeah, and they've they've specifically created several patrons that mm-hmm. are that are benevolent in nature. And barracks might be. We don't right. know. Right. I mean, it's hard to believe because of the way that you're decomposing or whatever you're doing. And that's kind of that's kind of a thing with the warlock is that a lot of the powers of the warlock are deliberately designed to be a little bit eerie and mm-hmm. unsettling. Well, you uh, nailed that. Warlocks do a lot of necrotic damage. Warlocks have a lot of powers that relate to darkness or messing with people's brains. So yeah, so there is an uh, there's a little bit of an unsettling side mm-hmm. to the warlock. Pretty much no matter. I mean, you can build it to avoid that, but it's hard. Right. You, you're you're going to skip out on some of the things that make the warlock cool if you if you do. Sure. And so yeah, but the patron doesn't have to be evil or dark or, right. or nasty. Okay, so the 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 um the vampire thing. Like we keep making jokes about it being a vampire or vampiric. Uh but it is I mean not the ashy skin thing mm-hmm. and the and the and the, the the pitch black hair and the black eyes like that's funny and vampire, but that's also like there are real humans who have very dark eyes and dark hair and pale skin. Right. That but then you get into the you held a coffee cup for a while and it started to blacken. Like you and your and your armor and your clothing. Mm-hmm. Now, is it does it in your mind since you this is all flavor that you came up with, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, is it losing its? Uh, I don't want to say strength as clothing. Is the clothing failing, no. or is it just it turns black? Yeah, no. it's, it's it, the armor doesn't get crumbly. It just turns black. Yeah, I, I think it's a real source of of frustration because I actually imagine that he has quite a nice wardrobe. Sure, um, sure, and and that. Many, many parts of it were nicely colored, um, but not anymore. Just some real florals. And right. Some real nice. You can probably even still see some of the pattern in it, but right. it's just some like really, black on black now. Some really nice patterned shirts that he picked up at Simon's. Right. That uh, are black now. Um, I just learned about this place called Simon's in Canada that has like the coolest clothes. Just whatever. Anyway, um, uh, has that been his whole life? No. It, there's a point. No, this, some of this, some of it, yes. Um, he's... He's always had this sort of ashy skin uh, and and dark hair, but some aspects of it have come into his experience only only since he started to learn to wield this magic. Okay, okay, very cool. Um, I have a quick question. If it's okay if we break format for a second, God, relating to unlocking the magic, was there a point where Barrick? accidentally you don't like I, I i go back to like x-men and young mutants where you accidentally do a thing and that kind of starts you down the path was that a thing or was it more controlled through the journal uh, i think it's i think that was definitely a thing where there was a point at which barrack realized that he wasn't just reading his mother's journal to learn about her and feel close to her while 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 mourning her and realized that he was actually being able to interact with this power but I, I think another thing and an important aspect of Barrick is that uh, he was in training when all of this started to happen. He was being trained to use magic uh, probably through 
some part of the Church of Silver Flame in, in Breland, but saw this as more powerful and it didn't come with all of the restrictions that the priests and the professors and all of this, all this bureaucracy put on it. Uh, and so okay. he's kind of, this is kind of a, been a shortcut to being a powerful mage for him. If anything, if literature has taught us anything, when you have access to more powerful magic with no restrictions, it's that all, never goes poorly. Right. No, it's always good. <laughs> it's always good. Shortcuts. I trust Beric with that. Shortcuts uh, are always beneficial. Yeah. So how does Beric feel about his compatriots? I, I've, or, or as much as you want to share, I don't, sure. I don't want to give away things you don't play to, but I mean, just the idea that he, though, though odd, grew up in the aristocracy. He mm. is a noble person. He has money, comes from money, could feasibly and reasonably go back to sure. a comfortable lifestyle. Uh, and yet... He spends all of his days with a monster and a, I mean, yeah, he's a, um, he, he's, he's a, from a certain lifestyle and you know, we have a tiefling, mm-hmm. um, and then, a, you know, even not knowing about Dex, Lyle is very much a common person. Yeah. Um, how in your head, how long did it take for Barrick to warm up to the idea of, of working with these people and also, is is he there yet? You yeah. know. Well, uh, Beric is aristocratic, but there's there's two things that make him, I think, have a little easier time with this. One is he's from Sharn, which is definitely the most cosmopolitan place in Eberron, mm-hmm. and so I don't think that the fact of discovering that Dex is a changeling, or um, even the idea of Draconos as a tiefling. I don't think those inherently bother him. Uh, it's more of the personalities. Right. <laughs> that he, just, him. he just hates you as people. <laughs> um, or whatever we are. Right. Uh, actually, I kind of briefly made a joke about this while I was contemplating whether to let it, uh, is that perhaps he had, hadn't realized that Draconos was, in fact, a tiefling and thought he was just a really skinny variety of minotaur or something like that. <laughs> uh, Shaved minotaur. Right. But... The other thing is that he doesn't have any idea about his parentage on his father's side. Mm. Um, And also his mother, while aristocratic, he has a very extensive family tree, but they weren't always aristocrats. They came to the aristocracy through service in the last war. Okay. And so uh, there's, there's a little bit of the the more upper middle class to them rather than the, the we've always been landed aristocrats, something like that. Uh, And so that, that I think keeps him a little more down to earth. Uh, And then lastly, the fact that because he doesn't know anything about his parentage on his father's side, he's always been a little bit, um, a little bit out of the, the proper, social circles uh, as it were sure um, and additionally his mother's his mother's not an uncontroversial figure i actually pulled his mother from a couple of different eberron source books uh Yurik rowan is someone you find in the book on sharn and in the book on the last war which is this uh, woman who is female general in breland in breland who on multiple occasions saves the day in really clutch moments 
but usually at terrible cost. And so she's sort of this odd mix of war hero, but also whose sort of controversial methods Mm -hmm. uh, tended to cause her to have very, suffer very high casualties. And so, um, and she keeps getting reassigned throughout the war to places that are supposed to just sort of keep her out of the way. And then something monumental (laughs) will happen there. Yeah. And she's the only one placed to, you're a loose cannon, but you get the the job done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea that you, Philip, not you, Barry, you were like, I got to create a character for this podcast. Um, Oh, the great hero of Eberron. I'm just going to make that my mom. That's my character now. Well, one of the, one of the things I tried to do with this is previous characters I've tended to play usually tend to be, uh, fairly, uh, alone, uh, fairly cut off. Um, in me and Eric's really long campaign, I played a spy who worked for the, the Brelish secret service, the King's dark lanterns. And, he kept everyone at like the big arc of the character was he kept everyone at arm's length because he was a spy. He had another, he had his own, his own mission and the whole thing was about breaking that down. Um, and his, you know, his whole family was dead. It was the whole classic mm-hmm. thing. And I very deliberately decided I didn't want to do that this time. And so I set out to create a character who has just a lot of family still out there and plenty of people that he potentially still cares about mm-hmm. to differing degrees because, you know, extended family um, and so I, I looked around for someone in the aristocracy that would make sense for him to be attached to and hit upon, uh, Yurik Rowan from these books and decided to go with that direction. Okay. Um, I really only have one more question and this interests me, uh, cause I, I mean, I, I've made a thousand illusions now. I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. not, <gasps> not being recorded for a podcast of some sort. Um, you play have played for years. Yeah. Was there a difference in the way you built this character, knowing that other people besides your, your friends and also maybe some people who've never played, but just enjoy the format. Like, like, I mean, I very deliberately chose decks being a changeling because I thought it would make for fun radio mm-hmm. to be a different character, have different voices, different things like that. Did you consider that at all when you were building? Uh, did you think of the fans? <laughs> no, did, 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 or were you like, I'm going to build a character that's going to make the gameplay fun for me because that'll be good enough. That, that'll shine through. It actually took me a really long time to settle on a character, as you probably know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went through several different iterations of it and kind of ran it down with Eric. And there were a couple of different things I was trying to think about. One was uh, I wanted to wait until I saw what you two were going to do so that I could do something. Because with so few people, I I didn't want to be stepping on the same turf of the other characters. And so once you had settled on a a rogue, I didn't want to do another, you know, sneaky infiltrated character. Mm -hmm. And and once he'd settled on a paladin, I didn't want to step into the the heavily armored the tank up front thing. thing. Yeah. And so I, that was part of it. Uh, I talked through several concepts with Eric and yeah, it was part of the conversation was what, what's going to add an interesting hook into the story and also what's going to make it able for him to relate to the characters in a way that's fun to or relate to the other characters in a way that's fun to listen to. And the warlock I really like because it immediately creates this interesting campaign hook in the form of the patron. Mm-hmm. 
And so, and, and having played with Eric a lot and played, uh, in games run by Eric a lot, um, I felt really confident choosing something really vague because I trust Eric to do something fun with it and not to use it to torment me. Right. And also, I think we can all trust that eventually Eric is going to make you choose between your patron and your party. Sure. (laughs) And that will be dynamic or interesting. Uh, Yeah. And I think that's an interesting aspect of a warlock or or realize that the power he's using is somehow eating his soul or something like that. You know, I don't know. It's definitely eating his clothing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Very cool. Oh, I did have one more thing that I thought of. Uh, You mentioned that you pulled the Hexblade out of Unearthed Arcana. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know, Unearthed Arcana is playtest material. It, it is published by Wizards. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they come up with it, and basically they put it out there so people will put aspects of it into their games at home and then let them know, give feedback about, okay, this worked, this did not work. That's the reason that uh, the Ranger has changed so dramatically over yeah. time from basically being garbage to being pretty rad um, is because of Unearthed Arcana changes. So Hexblade mm-hmm. is from the Unearthed Arcana. Yes. Um I'm DMing a campaign soon um, that is going to have a mystic also from the Unearthed Arcana. Yeah. I've already told this person I'm going to nerf your mystic. It's Boy. clearly too powerful. Oh my gosh. I've got someone playing a mystic uh-huh. in uh, a game I, uh, I'm playing in at home. And yeah, uh, having looked at it, it's crazy. It, mm-hmm. It's it's like two classes at least smashed together. Right. It can do everything. Right. And, 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 and a smart player and, 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 and Ginny uh, is a, a smart person. I've never played with her. So I'm pretty sure she's going to figure it out quickly. Could just, Run the show. Yeah. Do you think maybe the hex blades a little overpowered? I think there are a couple of there are a couple of changes that I would make if I was if I was publishing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is the hex blade curse. Uh, one thing I noticed very quickly when looking at it is this is a character whose flavor is all about a weapon. Mm-hmm. But if I was just just metagaming, if I'm just min maxing it. The best way to do it is to focus on spellcasting, is uh-huh. to focus on Eldritch Blast. And so I would add language to the Hexblade's Curse, which is sort of its signature abilities, that thing I do where I pull the shadows off of them after I kill right. them. I would add language that that only works with weapon attacks okay. so that you can't use it with your Eldritch Blast because that's just numerically way better okay. to, to work it with, to combine it with some of the other Eldritch Invocations that make Eldritch Blast super cool and then just go ham on that. Um, I mean, yeah, if I was, if I was genuinely just trying to min max barrack, that's what I would do every turn was mm-hmm. I cast Eldritch blast. I'd have all the elder, all the invocations that make it better than that. So that's, that's one change. Another change that Eric has allowed me to make is one of the signature Eldritch invocations for the hex blade is to gain access to this p- particular blade that it specifies as a great sword. But one of the Hexblade things is allowing you to use your charisma on your attack and damage, and, but only if you're using a one-handed weapon. And a great sword isn't. And mm. it seems a little odd to me that they contradict each other. Sure. And so Eric's allowed allowing that to turn into a, a long sword when we when we come to that. So that's another change I would make. But I think, yeah, the that a little bit of language on the Hexblade curse could make it scale a little bit better and also encourage the Hexblade to do what the flavor indicates the Hexblade is there for, mm-hmm. which is to be a, a warlock who fights with a weapon. Okay. Um, so I, I think that would be a, a good change that would scale down. Now I haven't been making use of that, 
uh, very much because I haven't been using Eldritch Blast, but I think that's a, that would be a good change that would help. Sure. All right. Well, I, I, I look forward to seeing where, I mean, the whole thing goes, Eric, uh, but also Barrick's character. I, I want to find out what this great weapon that he has to pact with. I mm-hmm. want to find out, like, I'm as interested in Barrick as I am in, in, in Dex. All right. Um, I think that's all. I, I just, I can't think of anything else to ask. And so in about, in real time, in about 15 minutes or, or less, uh, we're going to be recording episodes nine through what 11 or 12, probably. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this one. Hope you keep listening. Tell your friends. Thanks for everything. You guys are fantastic, wonderful people. And the world is better because you're in it. And uh, so this has been Eberron Renewed, episode eight. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.